Welcome to Bedtime History. Hello, this is Breck. Guess what, parents? Bedtime History is now available on Story Button. Story Button is the easiest way to listen to our show without using screen devices like your phone or a tablet. Story Button is like a radio that's built for easy listening to your favorite kids' podcasts like ours. And the best part is there's no subscriptions or fees to access the content. This week, save $10 and get free shipping when you go to storybutton.com forward slash bedtime history. That's storybutton.com forward slash bedtime history. A shout out to our newest Patreon donors, Lawrence from North Carolina, Maya from Long Island, Jude from Minnesota, and Thomas and Amy from Sydney, Australia. If you'd like to donate to Bedtime History, go to BedtimeHistoryStories.com and click on Donate in the menu to donate via Patreon. Also remember, by donating via Patreon, you can get access to our catalog of over 100 ad-free, shout-out-free episodes. Do you have a piggy bank? Or maybe you have a glass jar in your house full of coins. You've probably seen your parents pay for something at the store with dollar bills, or maybe you have yourself. Have you seen your parents use a credit card or pay with something using their phone and wonder how it works? How can they use a card or their phone to pay for something without actual coins or bills? If you have any of these questions, you're just like me, because I was very curious about how money came to be. So take your mind back to the time of the earliest people on earth. They were probably like you imagine, wearing animal skins and living in tribes, sometimes in caves, or in little stick and mud huts they'd built to keep off the cold and rain. When these people needed something they didn't have, they'd try and figure out how to make it, or grow it, or hunt for it themselves. But sometimes it was just easier to trade. You've probably traded something with a sibling or a friend before, right? I'll give you this if you give me that. I used to do it with baseball cards. Well, these early humans would do it for things they really needed, like blankets made from animal furs. They'd meet with other tribes in the area and make deals. They'd trade. Another word for trading is bartering. They'd say, hey, I'll give you five arrowheads for three furs. How does that sound? The other tribe would discuss the trade and maybe come back with, how about six arrowheads for three furs? The first tribe might agree that's fair, and then the deal would be complete, and they'd swap items, and everyone was happy. Way back in 6000 BC, the people of Mesopotamia became known for their bartering skills and introduced trade to the Phoenicians. Over time, it became more and more popular, but it's more than likely bartering happened long before the Mesopotamians. Bartering worked well down through history, and people even do it today. But over time, humans began to see the problems with bartering and began to think of other ways to trade goods. What if instead of trading things like arrowheads and furs directly, we could use a different object to make the deal happen? The problem with bartering is you have to move the thing you want to trade all over the place. So if I want to trade with a tribe all the way across the valley, I'd have to load all of my goods into a cart or a horse or a wagon and haul them there. Kind of a pain, right? Also, what if we couldn't agree on arrowheads for furs, and three and a half arrowheads made more sense than four? You can't break an arrowhead in half, then it wouldn't be any good. So ancient people came up with the idea to use valuable objects in place of goods. 
One of the early examples of what became money were shells. This is also called a currency, a way we use one object to exchange for other objects. In China around 1000 BC, Asians began using a special type of shell called a cowrie shell in exchange for other goods. So for example, I'd go to the market with a beautiful new dress I'd woven. There a store owner might offer me 10 cowrie shells for the dress. They'd give me the cowrie shells, I'd give them the dress, and now I have the shells which are equal to the value of the dress. It's a lot easier to carry around these cowrie shells than the dress. And then I can keep the shells, maybe go to another market later in the week, and use cowrie shells to buy my family wheat and rice for the rest of the month. Cowrie shells became a very popular form of money in China and spread throughout the region, including Africa. Shell money was common in other places too, like Australia, the Middle East, and North America. In North America, indigenous people of the Iroquois Confederacy and Algonquin tribes took shells they found in the ocean and ground them into beads called wampum. These white and purple beads were then strung into necklaces that could be used as money to exchange for other items. Soon European settlers used wampum as money, and it was used in exchange for beaver pelts, which were a very popular item at the time. So you're probably wondering why we're still not using cowrie shells and wampum beads today. Well, that's because once groups of people realized how money could be used, some groups started creating their own money out of hard metals. Civilizations like those in China, who worked in metals, were able to create the first money out of gold, silver, bronze, and other precious metals. This is called minting. What's funny is some of this first metal money was shaped like cowrie shells, their favorite money system of the past. They also stamped these early coins with a symbol to show that it was made by their people. This is important because a value is attached to the money that sort of has to be agreed upon by everyone using it. And the value of money can change over time. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. So with China minting money and creating coins, the really cool thing is that trade moved faster. People that have access to money can exchange things easier and the money moves through the empire and everyone is more prosperous because of it. Around this time, the Greeks also learned about minting money and started minting their own. The Athenians were minting their own silver coins by 500 BC, and this practice later spread through the Roman Empire. Over time, minting became more and more common, and as you know, it's in use by the United States and countries all over the world who have their own mints and their own coins. Growing up, I loved collecting coins with different dates and pictures on them, and sometimes coins from other countries. I always thought it was interesting why they decided to put certain symbols and words on each of their own coins. Paper money also was first invented by the Chinese. Over time, paper money became easier to carry around than heavy metal coins. Imagine if you had to carry $100 worth of coins with you every time you went grocery shopping. Imagine $1,000 if you had to buy a bigger item. Paper money was also used by Charlemagne during his reign in Europe, and of course is still in use today with the dollar bill in the United States and each country with their unique bills. Do you know the names of money in different countries? Maybe you know a few. I'll list some of the ones I know. The British pound, the European euro, the Japanese yen, the Indian rupee, Mexico's peso, and the Russian ruble. 
If you get a chance, be sure to look up these different currencies and what they look like. Sometimes you can even find them at hobby shops nearby. You'll notice with currencies in different countries, they also differ in value. So $1 is equal to 113 Japanese yen. This value changes over time. The dollar today can buy less than it could 50 years ago. For example, in 1970, the cost of a candy bar was only 10 cents. Just 10 pennies. Today, the cost of a candy bar is more like $1 or $2. In modern times, countries are very careful with how they mint money. This is because counterfeiting is a widespread crime. Counterfeiting is when people try and make fake money and use it. This problem has existed for a very long time, going back even 1,500 years ago. People would mix other metals with gold or silver to make it appear that a coin was made out of that metal. Today, counterfeiters use complex designs and machines to make paper bills that look like the real ones. If you hold bills up to the light and look closely at them, especially the big ones like a $20 or $100 bill, you'll notice complex watermarks inside the bills and strips of paper that are hard to duplicate. Whenever new money is printed, the United States Treasury is always trying to develop new ways to outsmart counterfeiters. And counterfeiters do the same, so it's a never-ending game of cat and mouse to keep money safe. To get an idea of how much new money is printed every year, in 2020, the United States Treasury printed over $1,100,000 bills and around $2.5 billion $1 bills. In the modern day, new modes of money have become popular. You've probably seen your parents swipe a credit card at the store or type in the numbers when buying something online. The first credit cards became available in the 1950s and grew in popularity over the years. What can be hard to understand is that you can spend money on credit cards that you don't even have yet. It's what is called a loan. You spend a certain amount of money that the credit card company lets you borrow, and then you pay it off later. Credit cards are a nice convenience, but people also have to be careful not to spend too much money on a credit card, because if you can't pay it off by the next month, it can cost you even more money. Digital payments have also become very popular. This means that rather than having dollar bills or coins in your pocket, you can use your computer or phone to pay for things. All of the money spent using computers is tracked on a bank's computer. It's kind of hard to imagine that things are bought and sold and just tracked on computers now, but it's very convenient not to have to worry about having actual money in your wallet. Using services like PayPal, Venmo, and Apple Pay, now you can just bring up an app on your phone and send people and businesses money that way. It's definitely revolutionized the way money can be used. The last really interesting new form of money in the modern age I want to talk about is called cryptocurrency. If you've ever heard of Bitcoin, it's the first cryptocurrency. The cool thing about cryptocurrencies is that they aren't managed by a government or bank like all of the other money in the world. They live on the internet and can be used by people all over the world regardless of where they live. Cryptocurrency, also called crypto for short, started in 2008 when someone on the internet using the fake name Satoshi Nakamoto wrote a paper about how crypto could work. Crypto uses a technology called a blockchain that keeps track of every payment, also called a transaction, made using Bitcoin. The blockchain is highly secure and anonymous, which means no one can hack into it 
and see who's using the money and what they're doing with it. It's become an entirely new kind of money. When the first Bitcoin was released, it was worth just a few cents, but now it's worth over $35,000. Of course, its value rises and falls, and there are other cryptocurrencies such as Ethereum, and there's a debate over how important crypto will be in the future. It's pretty crazy to think about how money started out at basic trading or bartering for goods and where it is now with complex digital payments and cryptocurrencies. The world has changed so much in the last few thousand years, and one of the reasons I love history is to try and better understand where we are and how we got here. The world is a vibrant and rapidly changing place, and knowing its history can help us better know how the world and people work and also what we can do to make it a better place. I hope you enjoyed learning about the history of money like I did. Be sure to tune in next Monday for a new episode. <laughs>